Let's go to the Lord before we go to his word. Father, thank you so much for bringing us together today for the reminder of your death on the cross for us and your resurrection and the fact that you yourself are here today with us. You, the risen Lord Jesus Christ, not just a concept, not just someone we read about in the Gospels, you personally are here with us this morning and wanting to communicate with us, wanting to help us grow in our walk with you and in our fruitfulness as a part of your kingdom. And so as we come to your word now, uh, we invite you to meet with us and we invite you to Put the work of your Holy Spirit on me as I deliver the message this morning and on your word. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you can see our topic this morning. Pray about your witness. And I want to just talk to you for a minute about this word witness and what it means to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember that Jesus, just before he ascended to heaven, after he'd been to the cross and risen from the dead and spent several weeks with the disciples, before he ascended to the Father, he said something to them, and that was this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, And you will be my witnesses. This is his plan for us. That we would be his witnesses. Now what does that mean? Well, I want to suggest to you that a witness is something a little bit different than an evangelist. So his plan is not that all of us would be his evangelists. Because the Bible tells us that there are certain people who have been given the spiritual gift of an evangelist. And that means that they are uniquely gifted by God to help people cross that line from unbelief to faith in Jesus Christ and to be born again. And probably you know someone like that, or you hear stories from someone like that, where they seem to just be constantly having those conversations where they lead people to faith in Christ. And maybe in your mind, that's what it means to be a witness, and you know you're not made that way, and so you live with this little bit of a sense of guilt hanging around your neck. That I should be living that way. I should constantly be leading people to faith in Jesus Christ. And I carry this weight of guilt around that I'm not living the Christian life that I should. Well, I want to say to you that being a witness is not equal to being an evangelist. But rather, being a witness means that you carry your relationship with Jesus Christ openly with the people around you. You represent Jesus in this world. The Apostle Paul uses another word. He says, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were entreating through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. And so there's this idea that we represent Jesus 
in our lives with the people around us. And we talk about Jesus, what he means to us. We talk about our experience, just like someone who is a witness in a courtroom. They talk about what they experience. And it's evidence for the courtroom. Well, in the same way, be open in your relationships with people, about what Jesus means to you. About when you're going through difficult times, how different it is for a Christian to be able to pray and to expect that God will be in the middle of that with them. So speak openly about your relationship with Jesus and openly about what Jesus Christ has done for us to make a way for us to be right with God. This is being a witness. It's what it's all about. We need to uh, get our thinking about evangelism uh, and being a witness away from the idea that being a witness and sharing Christ with people is simply helping a person take the final step to faith in Jesus Christ. When in reality we know that when someone comes to faith in Christ, they go on a journey, don't they? They start a long way away and there are steps as they sense that God is reaching out to them, as they see the reality of God in the lives of people that they know who are believers, and and then they hear maybe some messages preached, or whatever, they're journeying. And then there comes that final step where they cross the line and become a believer in Jesus Christ. Well, as a witness, you recognize that you are in people's lives around you who may be here on the journey. And you're saying, okay, I'm going to be a witness to this person here on this journey. And I want to help them journey and move towards Christ. Right? And maybe there'll be someone with a gift of evangelism down here. Or maybe I can bring them to something where the gospel is taught or preached. And then they can cross the line. But for me in my daily life, I'm going to be a witness all the time. Well, that's what we're called to, right? We know that that's part of what it means to be a Christian, is that we should be a witness. But because of this concept that we have of what being a witness means, we carry this load of guilt around. Learn to live as a witness. Come with me to Second Corinthians chapter 2. In your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Just listen to Paul expressing this in verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. He says, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession and, listen, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Well, what a beautiful description that is of what it means to be a witness. That you spread the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ everywhere. Wherever you are, you're just open about Christ and what he means to you. God, through us, spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing, those who are rejecting Christ. To the one, those who are perishing, a fragrance from death to death. To the others, 
a fragrance from life to life as they begin to move towards God. And then notice this. He asks this question at the end of verse 16. Who is sufficient for these things? Who is sufficient for these things? I mean, he has this beautiful description of what it means to be a witness that God through us is just letting people see how awesome Jesus is through what he's doing in our lives, through our openness about him. But you think about that and living that way of life and living as a witness before the people around you in your specific life, the specific relationships you have, and you think, I don't know if I can do that. I mean, I'm so aware of the hang-ups that I still have, the baggage I'm carrying with me from things that have happened in my life, the struggles I still have, the failures in my life, and I know the people around me can see those things, so how can I start talking openly about Jesus to them when they can see all this stuff still going on in my own life? Who is sufficient for these things? Who can live this way? In front of other people around them. I can't. I'm so aware of all this. I know they're aware of it too. And you need to recognize that what people in the world are looking for is not squeaky clean Pharisees who say everything is great in my life because I'm a Christian. No problems, no struggles. I mean, that is not true of what it means to be a Christian, is it? If it were, none of us are Christians. Right? Life is messy. And the point of being a Christian isn't that suddenly everything clears up in your life and there's no conflict in your relationships and, and uh, everything goes smoothly, no struggles, no problems, no baggage. No. The point of being a Christian is not that you go and present this, this image like everything's rosy because I know Jesus, so you should know Jesus too. The reality What is so attractive to people is that you let people see your life in this fallen world with all of its struggles, but the difference that it makes when you go through those struggles with Jesus in your life. That yes, I may be having conflict in my marriage. Yes, I may be struggling with this. Yes, I may be stressed by that. But I want you to know, I pray about it. And when I talk to God about it, I recognize He's in it. He's shaping me. He's going to help me with these issues. He's going to take me through it. And when I recognize His control, I find peace in the middle of those struggles. And so you're talking on this level about real life, not this squeaky life that you think they want to hear about what Christianity is, but the reality of Jesus in real life with you and the difference that makes. This is the picture Paul is giving us of what it means to be a witness. Just everywhere we go, the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. The difference Jesus makes in real life. Who is sufficient for these things? And we will all say, not me. (laughs) But look at the answer to the question in the next chapter. If you come to chapter 3... Paul's still in this same conversation, and you come to verse 4 of chapter 3, and Paul says, Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Listen. 
Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. But our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, that is the law, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives life. Who is sufficient for these things? Who can live this life of a witness before people all the time? And Paul says, not me. Not that we are adequate or sufficient in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves. But our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. The covenant of the Spirit. God working through you and me. So when we come to this place of saying, God, I know you want me to be a witness. God, I know you want me to share openly about Jesus and his role in my life. But I have to tell you, God, I really can't do that. I recognize this. I can't. And we hear God saying, but I can. And I am in you. I can. And I am in you. And suddenly then it comes home to us that there's one thing necessary above all things if we want to learn to be an effective witness. And that is the role that God is going to play in it. Right? And so prayer becomes so hugely important to our witness for Jesus. Prayer. I remember when we went on this journey of starting to develop materials to train churches to become more effective in their witness, uh, I read the doctoral dissertation of a friend of mine, and he did his doctoral dissertation on the topic... What is the most effective method of training people for evangelism? So he went out and he surveyed 200 churches, all different sizes of churches, different styles of churches, different denominations, and all of whom were about to embark on evangelism training of one kind or another with their people. He surveyed them as far as the congregation's involvement in evangelism before they did their training. He surveyed them again after they did their training and he surveyed them again six months later. And here was his finding. It doesn't matter which method of evangelism training you use. Within six months, the people in their church are back to their pre-training levels of evangelistic involvement. With one exception. If two things were present, the people kept on growing in their evangelistic involvement of living as a witness. Those two things? If the church had in place a system where people were accountable, where they shared with one another what was happening in their relationships with people, what was happening in their conversations with people outside the church. And secondly, if people were praying regularly by name 
for the people in their lives who didn't know Jesus. So empirical scientific data shows prayer makes a significant difference in your witness for Jesus. This is why I want to speak to you on this topic today. And what I want to do is take you to three passages of scripture and show you three things to pray about regarding your witness for Jesus. Three things to pray. And here's what your index card is for. Okay? I want you to get your little index card out that you got earlier in the service. And I want you to write in the top left corner, in neat writing, the word Lord. And then dot, dot, dot. Lord. And then dot, dot, dot. Nice and big. And then underneath that, I want you to write in quotes the simple three prayers I'm going to give you. All right? Here is prayer number one. Lord, would you please open a door? Open a door. Now come with me to the passage that you see there, Colossians chapter 4. If you just turn right in your Bible, you'll go through Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians. Chapter 4. And just look here with me. Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 2, Paul says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Don't forget to thank God when he answers your prayers. At the same time, verse 3, Pray also for us. Now just stop and think about this. Here's the Apostle Paul saying, please pray for us. Now sometimes we feel a little uh, funny about asking people to pray for us. We think that's kind of selfish or like, I don't want to focus on me at all. That's not the kind of person I am. But here's the Apostle Paul saying, please pray for us. And I encourage you. When you know God wants to do something in your life and you want that thing to happen as well and you know you need God's help in accomplishing it, to talk to your small group and say, please pray for me in this area. And here's the Apostle Paul saying, continue steadfastly in prayer and while you're doing that, please pray for us. Listen, what does he want prayed for? That God may open to us a door For the word. That God would open for us a door for the word. Well, what does he mean? By a door, he means an opportunity. And maybe you think, well, of course. You know, Paul is teaching and preaching and and he, he wants to teach some theological truth for believers and he's praying that God will give him some connections, you know, where he can really get into teaching the meat of the word to people and yes, let's pray for it. But that's not what he's saying. What does he mean when he says pray that God would open a door for the word? Well, he explains it. To declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. It's the gospel. (laughs) He wants God to open doors for him to share Christ 
with people. Open a door. And you know, this is such a simple prayer to pray to God. God, would you please open a door? And maybe you're at this place in your life of saying, I know I ought to be living as a witness. And I want to be a witness. And I hear these stories where people share about conversations they've had with someone. And someone's asked them this question that just opens the door for them to talk about Christ. Or it just comes up and they have this amazing conversation. You think, you know, that's so good. I'm so excited for you. But that just never happens to me. I never find myself in that situation. And uh, I wish I could be a witness, but those opportunities just don't happen. And maybe actually secretly you're saying, and I'm glad they don't because I wouldn't know what to say. Well, I want to say to you, ask for these opportunities. And you will see God answering your prayer. This year, we launched our new initiative in our ministry in Australia called Evangelism Shift. It's a two-year initiative. And we work for one year with the leaders of a church, helping them learn to live as witnesses. And as we got ready to launch in our pilot church this year, I said to Lois, "Ah, it would just be great if God would put me in a new, ongoing relationship with someone who doesn't know the Lord right as we start evangelism shift with this church, so that I can kind of share my journey with that person as we're teaching the principles of journeying with people in your life towards faith in Jesus Christ. And so I have my accountability guys praying with me that God would give us an opportunity, that God would open a door. Lois was praying with me that God would give me that kind of relationship with someone right as we go into evangelism shift. Well, I I was getting a bit frustrated because that wasn't happening. And finally, we went to our first seminar. We have six seminars through the year with these guys. And I went to our first seminar. And while I was teaching out in Western Australia, it's a five-hour flight from Sydney, while I was teaching out there, Lois went to the first meeting of parents of soccer, because uh, Owen was playing on a soccer team, and, and so she went to that first meeting. Anyway, I came back from Western Australia, and she said, Honey... I've got some news. At the meeting, I signed up to be the team manager of the soccer team. And I said, you what? I said, do you know how much work it is to be the team manager for a soccer team and, you know, get all these other things going on? Are you really sure you want to be that busy? On and on I went. And she waited. And when I was done, she said, and I signed you up to be the coach. I was not happy. And I said, look, you know, I'm going to be gone more than half the weekends of the season. I can't be the coach. You have to be there. And so she said, well, then you can be the assistant coach. So they found somebody else to be the coach, and I was the assistant coach. His name was Rodney. And after I finally settled down about that, I said, okay, Lord... I'm going to be seeing this guy every week. And I've been praying for a relationship with someone that I can share the gospel with. So when I called Rodney on the phone to talk about our relationship, him coaching, me me helping out, I said, why don't we get together for breakfast at McDonald's every Wednesday morning? Because training is Wednesday night and we can kind of plan out what we're going to work on that week with the guys and all. And I'm thinking, right, relational time every week. Uh, with this guy. 
And I told Lois about it. I said, I'm so excited. This is the answer to our prayers. This is the relationship with someone who doesn't know the Lord and I can journey with him. And now I've got this time every week with him. And she said, honey, I'm so sorry. He's already a Christian. (laughs) Rats! So I went and met with him the first Wednesday and we were talking about what each of us did and... um, I told him a bit about what we do, and I said, uh, uh, do you go to church? Waiting for him to share. And he said, well, my wife's a Christian, but I'm somewhere between atheist and agnostic. And I thought, yes. <laughs> so I asked him about that and where, why he landed there, and we had this awesome conversation, and our relationship's been developing since then, we can't wait to go back. We've invited him and another guy who was kind of helping us. There was kind of three of us working together. This other guy is from a, an Irish Catholic background, doesn't know God at all, and it was turned off by his experience of church growing up. And now both of them and their wives we've invited to Lois's big 50th birthday party that we're having when we get back to Australia with our Christian friends and other people we know as well. And so we're just looking for where God is going to take that, what he's doing in that relationship. We're already journeying, talking openly about spiritual things. Here's the thing. God answers this prayer. You begin asking God to open a door, open opportunities for you to talk about him, to be a witness. He'll start opening those opportunities. Prayer number two. Open their heart. Open their heart. God, when you open that door for that conversation, would you please open their heart? Come with me to the passage you see there. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. Paul says, finally, brothers, pray for us. There it is again. Pray for us. I need your prayers in this area. Pray for us that the word of the Lord, here's the gospel again, that the word of the Lord may speed ahead or spread rapidly and be honored or glorified as happened among you. Paul's writing to the Thessalonians. He says, you remember how when I came and shared about Jesus with you, how your hearts were so open and you honored it. You recognized it was God speaking to you. And you received it. Well, pray for me that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just like it was among you. That when I talk about Christ to people, that they would be responsive and open and recognize this is God reaching out to me. Just come back, just a couple of pages in your Bible, to the left, to the book of 1 Thessalonians, his first letter to this group of people. And look in chapter 2, verse 13. Here's where Paul talks about how they themselves had responded. He says, we thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So, 
Paul says, just like that. I want God to keep on working in people's hearts when I speak to them about Christ. So pray for us. Well, here it is. The second prayer to pray about your witness. That God will open people's hearts when he opens doors and you walk through them and you begin to talk about Jesus, that people's hearts would be open, that they'd be wanting to talk more and to ask questions and to hear what God has to say to them. And then, prayer number three. Open my mouth. Open my mouth, and don't we need this prayer? God, when you open the door... And you're at work in people's hearts. The last thing that I really need is for you to open my mouth and give me boldness to speak and words to say. Look at the passage. Open my mouth. Ephesians chapter 6. Galatians, Ephesians chapter 6. This is the very end of his section where he's talking about putting on the full armor of God. Such a beautiful passage. And you really get the sense that he's saying put on the full armor of God for the purpose of prayer. For the purpose of prayer. Look what he says in verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, comma... Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And, surprise, surprise, also for me. (laughs) Pray for me. That words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. (laughs) Open my mouth. I need boldness. We don't think of the Apostle Paul like that, do we? We think he was just, you know, it was his nature just charge in there and speak. But here he says, I really need you to pray for me, that God would give me boldness, that he would give me words, help me to open my mouth when the opportunity comes. And don't we need that prayer as well? Right? Open my mouth. The words given in the opening of the mouth. You remember the passage that Reg Bean read earlier in the service in Acts chapter 4. How when they were persecuted and threatened, they thanked God for putting them in that situation. And then they prayed that God would grant them boldness to speak. And three or four verses later it says, And the place where they were gathered was shaken, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke the word of God with... Boldness. God answered the prayer that they prayed for boldness and gave them boldness. And he will to you too. The Apostle Paul asks them to pray for boldness. And don't you think he believed that God would answer that prayer? 
And so in your own life, when you find yourself hesitating, do you ever have this happen? That you pray, you want to be a witness, and then God puts something wide open in front of you, and then you, you like freeze up. You hesitate. I've had this. I prayed and prayed that God would open a door with a guy in my life. And finally one day that guy said something and left the door wide open. And I froze. I just couldn't think of anything to say. And of course, within 30 seconds in my mind were all these things I could have said. But the moment had passed. And God's grace in that same encounter with the guy, it came around again and there was another opportunity. And we had an amazing spiritual conversation for which I thank God. Ask God for boldness. We tend to think, oh, well, that part of it just has to come from me. No, even that God will give you. Right? Even that God will give you. And you notice how he gives it. <laughs> right? Words will be given to you as you open your mouth. So often this is the case. You don't know where you're going to go with with the conversation. God gives an opportunity. You just start talking and then God gives you the words as you go. All right, you got your index card there. You've got Lord at the top. Your card should look like this. Open a door. Open their heart. And open my mouth. I hope you've written on there nice and clearly because here's what I encourage you to do. I encourage you to make it a way of life to pray these prayers. And so I encourage you to put that somewhere where you'll see it all the time. It may be on the back of your sun visor in your car. When you fold it down, oh, that's right. Lord, would you open doors, open their heart, open my mouth. Maybe you'll put it on the wall across from the toilet seat. You sit down and you look at it. That's right, Lord. See, you can even redeem that time. <laughs> Maybe on the mirror in the bathroom. So in the morning as you're getting ready, you're praying these three prayers about your day and about your witness. Take that card you've got and use it as something that's going to stir you up and make this a way of life. Not, I'm going to be a witness, but, God, would you please open a door? And when you do, would you open their heart? And when you do those two things, please open my mouth and give me words to say and the boldness to speak. Let's pray. Lord, we know this is a way of life you're calling us to. That's why when you departed, you left that message. You receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses. And so as we step out of this place this morning, we want to ask you to begin this work of renewing our minds, even using this little index card to help us think differently about our lives and about our witness. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.